You are about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. Amongst those who search for the truth of myths, evidence of monsters, and animals of cryptozoology, the focus is often on the creatures where part of their mythos is based on their sheer size. The towering Sasquatch of the Pacific Northwest, the great behemoths of the depths like the Kraken, or perhaps the massive fabled living dinosaurs of a lost world hiding in the jungles of New Guinea. Massive beasts that somehow remain elusive, hidden. But in the search for such giants of cryptozoology and paranormal research, there are often creatures also unknown to modern science that seem to have been missed. Too small in some cases to be noticed at all, perhaps. This time from within the portal, we bring you three strange stories of miniature cryptid creatures. From a mysterious miniature pixie-like monkey believed to guzzle ink in ancient China, to miniature spirit wolves of Japan, and even a tiny T-Rex encounter in the American South. Join us on Into the Portal as we discuss some lesser-known cases of miniature cryptid enigmas and the mystery of the Chinese ink monkey. I'm Amber A. And I'm Andrew McKay. Welcome back into the portal. Your gateway to the bazaar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's up? Welcome back, everyone. Happy to uh, be back on the mics here for you this week and talking about something that's a little bit different, definitely different <laughs> than than last episode, for sure. Yeah, it's kind of fun because I feel like there is a little bit of a synchronicity with like one of the topics we covered at the end of last year. Hey? Yes, there is. If you recall. That's actually funny. I didn't even think about that, but yeah. there totally is. The miniature coffins. We like miniature things apparently around apparently. the holidays. So we'll get to that in just a sec, <laughs> but we have a little bit of housekeeping. Um, so if Amber, if you wanted to uh, We do. We have a brand new patron. Welcome. What, what? Robin S. <laughs> Into the fold of our cryptid seekers. She yes. Has joined our crew over on Patreon. Yeah. Thank you so much, Robin. Yes, thank you, Robin. That's For all amazing. of our supporters, we've had a 
some new patrons here recently and and we just we just want to say huge thanks it's just really heartwarming and just everyone in general for their support we've had a lot of people reaching out with lots of fun ideas for like future topics for the for the episode for the podcast (laughs) for the podcast episode ideas for the podcast i cannot talk (laughs) great start Um, great start (laughs) it is great start but yeah no it's so fun because like really for as little as a buck a month we're doing um, ad-free episodes and early release for all of our patrons so that's always a good thing. So if you're yeah. into that, as well as obviously bonus episodes. So pff, yeah, those don't hurt. Yeah, there's you bonus know? content for for yeah for literally the the one one dollar tier and up. Like so yeah, you get a bunch. You you do get bonus stuff. You get all of our episodes early and like Amber said, totally ad free. No no need to skip the ads. I know. Yeah. I hope people don't. But I mean, I listen to podcasts sometimes. I do too. So we know people do. That's <laughs> we're a thing. Only so human we're here. only human. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then uh, lastly, we do have a really cool. Uh, well, <laughs> Christmas. Yeah. I can't talk either today. What we is with both talk. of us? <laughs> Christmas Jeez. is coming, and so we decided we're going to take a special look at the bizarre origins and folkloric sort of genesis yeah. of one of Christmas's iconic characters. So we're not going to name names. We're not no, saying it. No name and names. Lots of weird historical events, unexpected twists and turns. So there's a lot going on. Some magic involved. So oh, I'm yeah. actually like pretty stoked on that. Yeah, it's so, really cool. So I can't wait to get into that. Yeah, great. Yeah, right, you want to fun stuff? You want to chat some miniature things? Let's do this. Okay. So like I said already off the top, it's a little bit of a different take on things today because I feel like it's so classical and typical for you know us here at Into the Portal and just people in general to kind of consider the larger cryptozoological enigmas when we're discussing paranormal things, you know, things like Sasquatch, that's a little miniature Sasquatch clattering out of the podcast (laughs) studio here. Uh, I didn't know the dog was under the table. You guys heard that. But yeah, we're typically always chatting about things that are massive. You know, we had uh, Nick Cox on to talk about the Mm -hmm. marine monsters, and it's always these giant giant things. Oh, the giants of Guadalcanal. The giants of Guadalcanal. mm -hmm. Sasquatch is a massive 10 foot tall thing. These types of creatures. So today mm-hmm. we wanted to do the opposite. We're bringing you three cases, all of which are completely different from one another, but all of which are small, bizarre enigmas, tiny things that defy explanation in various different ways and, you know, beg special questions in the field of cryptozoology. So that's what we're getting into today. And we're kicking things off with a curious little creature known as the Chinese ink monkey. Mm-hmm. And we had never heard about this before. Mm-mm. There's a, a great piece on it that uh, we were inspired by in the book, The Beasts That Hide From Man by Carl Shooker. Yeah. Awesome book. Highly recommend you guys picking it up if you're interested in cryptozoology or like just anything that we talk about on the show. It's a really awesome resource. So the ink monkey. Truly bizarre case of a creature said to exist in ancient China, a miniature primate, the smallest in history, if it it did indeed exist. But what's most special about this ink monkey is that it was highly intelligent and said to be the prized possession of ancient scholars, writers, alchemists, mystics, and other peoples who had knowledge, basically. And this is the reason for the name, the ink monkey, also called in some documents as the pen monkey, which Mm -hmm. kind of makes sense as it was the pet of, like I said, scribes, you know, with scribes of the elite or the elite themselves, uh, the powerful people who knew how to write things down, basically. <laughs> people who had information to convey. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which makes it all the more real, potentially, but we'll get into that in a sec. But whether or not this creature existed at all is up for debate. But it really grabbed our attention because it essentially 
struck me as almost like a mythical pixie-like creature. That, a little bit. That does some really interesting things. This is teeny, right? It's like, because when I'm picturing it, I'm picturing like, you know, like a, an Abu-sized monkey. Right. Kind of. You know what I mean? Right. With like the little hat and like, you know, maybe sitting beside on the desk. This is even smaller than that. Though. Yeah. Yeah. I was totally taken aback by how small this was. Right. So this creature was said to stand no more than just a few inches tall at the most. So like, I'll get into specific sizes in a bit, but we're working with extremely small, less than like five inches. A primate that's the size of a field mouse, essentially? Roughly the size of a field mouse when hmm. fully grown, which would make them the smallest mammals ever recorded. But with capabilities that were so advanced, it made them really interesting creatures. The monkey appears in Chinese documents, ancient Chinese documents dating back to 2000 BCE, and potentially has links even as far as ancient Greece and modern-day Italy with the ancient Minoans, hmm. which is pretty bizarre. And I will reference that That's later, too. That's pretty cool. Because there's some speculation that these creatures were so prized amongst the elite that maybe there was some trade amongst the in the ancient world. Like Because we've speculated on that, too, where it's sort of like, hmm, did people have contact here and there? It's like, the Chinese ink monkey would have been a highly prized commodity if there was a a group of traders that managed to link hmm. up with the elite Minoans or the elite Greeks or whatever. That's funny you talk about it as if it's a commodity and not a living entity in itself with like, you know, because if it is a primate, it's obviously, like you said, intelligent. Exactly. And for it to be treated like this, like it's actually quite interesting how it would have been domestic domesticated, I yeah. guess is the word I'm looking for. And that's what makes it sound so much like like a mythical creature, like yeah, a little pixie yeah. sitting on the desk, because basically this mm -hmm. is what was so special about these things. The ink monkey was said to have been trained to do all kinds of different tasks, from swapping out the quills of their masters, dipping, re-dipping the pens or quills or whatever they were using, the brushes for painting various different projects, so they were constantly swapping out the tools and knew exactly what to do. <laughs> they would use the desks uh, as a place to sleep at the end of the night, and they would be familiar with it because they knew where to go get the paper to replace it with a new sheet when their master needed a new sheet. They would even allegedly sit and turn each page as <laughs> there would be a new uh, blank slate needed for either the next page of writing or an image being drawn. Hmm, interesting. And then, wow. like I said, the ink monkey was said to sleep in the desks of their owners, or sometimes even in the little brush pot itself, because they were so small, they would crawl in, down in amongst the little handles of the brushes or the quills and <laughs> sleep there. This definitely sounds like, like a Disney character. Doesn't it? <laughs> but it was said to be real. But most strange of all, and this is the second reason for the name, the ink monkey was so focused on its task that it was said to have become fixated or intoxicated in almost a hallucinogenic way with the ink itself that it was mixing and dipping for its hmm. masters. So the ink monkey developed this strange habit of drinking the leftover ink at the end of the writing session when there was any of it left. It would guzzle down the ink. Weird. Isn't that bizarre? What in the heck is this ink made of? I will get into that in a oh, sec. Okay, so okay. It's like toxic substances. It it <laughs> yeah, so it developed this taste for, for ink, which is strange, right? And I, I immediately thought, I was like, like you just said, I was like, okay, how are these guys not? Like, yeah, what is this what made is out of? Are it's you like poisoning an oil yourself? or something or like what's going on here? Right. Hmm. Most of the time, though, in the mythology, besides them drinking ink, they did indeed eat other things. It was said that the scholars and their owners would feed them peanuts and soybeans. 
Okay, a little bit of protein. A little bit Get of, a little bit of protein yeah. in there, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, like I said already off the top, a lot of this research on the ink monkey that we're discussing today was pulled from The Beast That Hide From Man by Carl Shooker. So we might, we'll, we'll toss a link maybe at the bottom of the show notes so you guys can go check that out on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what was ink made out of? In ancient China. This is kind of an important question, if we (laughs) believe these things to be real. I looked this up, and the the majority of these ancient traditional inks in China, the traditional method, uh, was to grind a mixture of glues made from animals. Oh, yeah, like like horse glue, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, This this was sort of just a direct quote here or whatever. It's like, uh, lamp black... Bone black, pigment, carbon black. And I was like, what are these? Oh, it's carbon like coal? It's like soots. Yeah, it's like different basically types of, yeah, like natural black substance like soot, coal. Soot makes sense. Basically, that's that's the idea. But there were other, that was just for kind of the masses. That was for like, you know, Joe Blow, anybody who wanted to get their hands on some ink, that was the, the bulk ink. And then there was much more special, specialized inks or valuable inks that were often comprised of various different extremely precious ingredients. Uh, everything from uh, gold, flakes of gold. Ooh, gold to, dust, oh, cool. Right? Yeah, it's pretty neat. interesting, right? But to rare herbs, barks of different rare trees, sandalwoods, uh, crushed up pearls, and other valuable items. Whoa. So it's oh, almost, your descents from the pearls. That right? would be cool. Pretty sandalwood. Sweet. I wonder what sandalwood would be like. I mean, for, it would as make quality. it smell nice. Or characteristic. <laughs> your ink is it's like magic markers for ancient China. <laughs> it's like, that's actually hilarious. Yeah, the ancient uh, scholars be like, I want my, I want my ink herbs. to smell like boysenberries or something. What is that? Oh, Jägermeister. That's what I'm thinking of. Like that like black liquor with all the herbs in it and stuff. It's very know? herbal and medicinally kind of that it tastes pretty good like maybe yeah maybe they were because if these are owned by the elites you would imagine they're probably you know like obviously using elite materials yeah exactly so that's kind of the idea you're thinking here that well, they I'm were just like, thinking, like well one it's just fascinating that there's sort of there's there's ingredients in here that you might actually consume like rare herbs and like yeah. barks from trees and stuff like that that would yeah. be like maybe medis- medicinal oh yeah or in like what's a his special name? tea or something the, or whatever. Oh, what's his name? The Lucky Man? Yeah, Remember the Good Luck guy? Man. Yeah, the Good Luck Man. Uh, Li Ching Yun. He ate a ton of weird he stuff. He was eating herbs the... Out, the, mm-hmm. out the wazoo because, And yeah. roots and stuff. Barks. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fascinating because if the Fun ink theory. monkey is consuming this ink, it's obviously owned by the elite. It's probably going to be more like this type of ink here, where it's not the classic soots and things. It's a little bit fancier and... Maybe a little bit more, like, actually consumable. Mm, But it also sounds paranormal and mythological, too. It's like drinking the gold dust. Yeah. Pretty fascinating They like their life or something. (laughs) So, yeah, it is is really interesting because we do know that, yeah, like I said, like, herbs, these rare herbs were used in cosmetics, medicines, which were also consumed by the elite of ancient China and traded as well. It's also significant to note that... Around the 12th century, this is when printing started to become a lot bigger business in, oh, yeah. in, in China. So there was publishers that were creating more works. Things were being commissioned in greater volume. So there was more and more hmm. inks being produced. There was more and more need for the labor of producing these works, uh, which were whatever the bestsellers like were. Like scribes and... Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So there was some speculation or suggestions, I guess, from the the sources I looked at where it's like 12th century China... It almost seemed like 
the this was the height of the ink monkey because people were so slammed with work and deadlines <laughs> that these philosophers and scholars and people able to convey this information they needed to lean on some some help here so they they hired some editorial assistants you might say <laughs> uh, monkeys allegedly little mini monkeys allegedly right <laughs> and there was a number of well-known scholars that claimed to have owned these creatures one man by the name of Zhu Zhi, or mm-hmm. Zhu, Zhu, Zhu Zhi. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, uh, Z-H-U-X-I. The X-I is hard. <laughs> uh, he was a, a Neo-Confucian philosopher, but he was one of the first to have claimed to own this bizarre little creature, the ink monkey. Hmm. And it's documented in various different records that both he himself marked down and also in, in other documents of his work. He lived from around 1130 to 1200 A.D., and basically claimed that this little monkey was his constant helper. He would always be at his desk for his most important works, always keeping his ink pot full, <laughs> and that he, you know, wouldn't have been able to really produce what he did without his without this little creature. That's is, so funny. Always so... keeping the pot full and taking a little off the top. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so much. One for like me, a, and one for the house. <laughs> it's just one. It's a really reliable bartender. You're okay with him taking a taking a shot here and there because you know he's going to do an okay job. <laughs> but it's bizarre because we have this one at least reference here to give you guys uh, Zuji, the mm-hmm. con- Confucian philosopher. But after this period of around 1200 AD, it seems like these monkeys kind of started to disappear from references of being working for scholars. They kind of just disappear, which is odd because you'd seem hmm. like, and actually Carl Shooker makes a note of this in his book too. It's like, you'd see, you'd think that such a useful animal would be, would be bred in captivity. It would almost be like a dog or a cat. You'd have lots of these things. You would think, yeah. Um, because they were so unless, valuable. Unless they're quite rare. I wonder what their breeding habits were like, if they exist at all. Also, I'm kind of thinking here don't quote me exactly because i'm trying to remember from way back in my uh uh, ancient chinese history class but like not ancient sorry it was medieval and they did have in around this time i believe like you know you're saying this is about the 1100s 1200s that type of thing that was when there was a lot of flourishing intellectualism and expansionism outward and then quite shortly after that there was a turn inward and a very severe you could call it like a shutting of the book so to speak and just like it had to do with the politics of the time they were very much like akin to how the western world was at the precipice of like you know like in the 1400s when you know like 1492 boom columbus lands and whatever and they were very much like people think they could have definitely have made it to North America before any European did. But they also did a lot of record burning and destroying in around that time when they closed inward. Yeah. and I should remember the exact dates. I think it was in around the 14th, 15th century. They really started to shut the book. I think you're right. So maybe that has something to do with it. If you wanted to theorize on like, you know, why these things started to drop off. Yeah. And like maybe both because one, yeah, like the actual records of them, there's like almost none because they might have been destroyed. Exactly. And two, Mm -hmm. the people, yeah, needing them were no longer needed because the new ruling were saying, you know, and definitely like Confucian scholars got the the smack down pretty hard at various different uh, stages of history. And we're not doing a a Chinese history episode here. No, I can't really comment too much on that. 
But I feel like, yeah, that definitely might have something to do with it. Yeah, that's you, like, a good really point. dug into that sort of little niche there. And it's and No, that's actually a really good point because this next part I have here is just a, a snippet from a 1938 book titled uh, The Dragon Book, Ooh. which was a compilation of myths, legends, uh, oriental zoology, and other just sort of cool. interesting things that were very piecemeal, like because of exactly what you said. And there was this researcher named uh, E.D. Edwards, yeah, published this publishes this book 1938 and was one of the only real reference points for this creature uh, that kind of like got people back interested in it again in the Western world. So mm-hmm. this is a quote from the mm-hmm. book here. It was I just I pulled this because it was just a perfect snippet of what this thing is. It reads as follows. The creature is common in the northern regions and is about five inches long. It is endowed with an unusual instinct. Its eyes are like cornelian stones, and its hair is jet black, sleek, and flexible, mm-hmm. as soft as a pillow. It is very fond of eating thick Chinese ink, and whenever people write, it sits with folded hands and crossed legs, waiting till the writing is finished, when it drinks up the remainder of the ink, which done, when or when done, it squats down as before, and does not frisk about unnecessarily. <laughs> Uh, end quote. <laughs> so that's that's the a translation from a much earlier text that was published in English hmm. in the 1930s of this creature, which kind of gives it this. That was the origins of this thing being almost <clears throat> like mythological. People yeah. were like, "There's no way this could have existed." Uh, Western scholars basically denounced it outright right away. There's no evidence of modern day. Uh, tarsiers is one type or of... Tarsiers? Tars, tarsiers yeah. and different small primates there used to be in a much more ancient China. But I thought that was... I, I just thought that was kind, kind of interesting. That's crazy. So the actual quote you just read is from the 1700s. Yeah, huh. exactly. Yeah, 1791, a Chinese author named uh, Wang Tahe, who was translated in the 1840s and then subsequently found uh, later on for this uh, 1930s pub- publication. But then... Strangely, this creature, it, 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 that was basically it. There's mm-hmm. a few snippet, snippets of these sort of mythological references almost to it. But people speculated that it could still be out there. So that was basically it because it was pretty shut off for information. And I, even if the Chinese did admit that it was still existing, maybe we wouldn't really know in the West. But then in 1996, a news story broke that the ink monkey had been rediscovered. And this was pretty pretty special for cryptozoology, and it kind of got the whole biological scene pretty excited. Biological. <laughs> or what would you, zoological? Zool- Sorry, bi- biology, <laughs> biologists, cryptozoologists. cryptozoologists. Who knows? <laughs> so, so yeah, April 22nd, it's published by the People's Daily Newspaper, which was like, I don't know if it still is, but it's like the main... The Daily. The yeah. Daily, one of the main state newspapers. That sounds like right? a very communist newspaper. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, hmm, I wonder what kind of things they publish in there. Things right? you just want people to believe. I mean, I guess. maybe there's some legit. You well, know, if it's a state owned news agency, then you'd imagine it's highly controlled. You would, but then it's like, I mean, I, whatever. We can maybe get into all kinds of different speculations here. We watch. Maybe it's like the tabloids. Is it like that kind of like thing? It's like, like a... it's like the National Enquirer. Kind? Yeah. I mean, I did look into cool. it. It doesn't really seem like it's like that. It's a little bit more, but obviously okay. yeah, it's state-controlled. State it's not just shocking. <laughs> no. So yeah, this news story breaks. Doesn't seem too sensationalist. Um, <laughs> it spoke of the same things we've talked about so far, like the creature's size, its mm-hmm. characteristics like we've discussed already, 
the drinking of the ink, the really big, huge, strange eyes. But most importantly, I'd mentioned that these guys had been rediscovered in the Wuyi Mountains of uh, Fuyan Province. So this is inland uh, from the coast facing Taiwan in southern southern China, which is known for its mountains. Hmm, which okay. Is this they, a urine country? I don't know, actually. That's hmm. a good question. I wonder if there's any crossover between that. Relations between the Yaren and uh, and the Ink Monkey. The Yaren wasn't that big, wasn't it? Only about four or five, maybe six feet tall. Yeah, it was like obviously it's way smaller. But yeah, like, this you is know. the 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 palm of the hand. Of it's the Yaren, like for it's sure. like the um, it reminds me of like you know when a marsupial has a baby. Yeah, and it's like the little tiny Joey in the pouch kind of thing. It's like they grow that much. It's like a These things are actually just baby Yaren. That's Amber's theory. <laughs> yeah, living outside. Love <laughs> I don't know. That's why they're so hard to track down. <laughs> Either way, Great theory. this was uh, an exciting prospect because <laughs> Chinese scholars had deemed the creature extinct for centuries, but there hadn't been any official record of its existence at all. Which is in the, weird, the West. In the West. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's what makes this so interesting. That's why I love this type of cryptozoology because. Nobody even knows in the West if it existed at all. Mm-hmm. And here we have a rediscovery. Yeah. <laughs> which in the East, which is which is great. That's cool. Because like I'm I'm assuming because I didn't actually read this article from the People's Daily newspaper, but I'm assuming they talked about like almost like the history of this species as if like, you know, just giving an overview and then kind of being like, oh, and actually it's actually still in existence kind of thing. I, yeah, that was the vibe of it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Pretty okay. brief little article. Mm-hmm. You know, because and, and again, like I said, like the West they weren't really all that. Some people were excited, but pretty dubious. They're pretty. There was a lot of speculation about it because the previous smallest one ever found was the Ro- Rufus, uh, the Rufus mouse lemur of Madagascar, Aww. that had been discovered in 1852. Also believed to have died out, but then they had a rediscovery in 1992. So this is kind of okay. right in around the same time of this ink monkey, like early to mid-90s rediscovery. Those things are so cute. This little guy, so small, uh, weighs just over an ounce. Okay. About eight inches, excuse me, eight inches tall. (laughs) Let me just say that this thing, because I just looked it up here, and it looks exactly like the really adorable, really annoying lemur from Madagascar. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which is like, he's got the big eyes, he's like... (laughs) (laughs) That's probably what this thing was, what he was modeled off of. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's so, I mean, picture that, like just over an ounce eight inches and then we had the ink monkey who was coming in at like five inches like that's so tiny but of course this little uh little madagascar creature didn't drink ink Mm -hmm. right couldn't be trained to flip pages or dip the quills or the brushes Uh, and the same goes for other tiny primates we have bush babies uh, tarsier tarsiers which i really suck at pronouncing is a bush baby a primate i believe so Really? Unless it's a marsupial. Well, I mean marsupial. Oh, no, no. It is a primate. Sorry. Yeah. It's a nocturnal primate. Right. Yeah. They're so effing cute. You know what these remind me of? They remind me of chinchillas, kind of. They do kind of look a little like... I always wanted a chinchilla when I was young. Of course you did. Oh, they're so fluffy. But you can see, obviously, with these real examples, like, I hope you guys at home are, like, Googling this as well to take a look at some of these little cuties. They're adorable. Which, again, is, like, kind of why we wanted to do this as a subject, because (laughs) how often are we talking about cryptozoology when we're like, oh, my God, it's so cute. (laughs) Like, this tiny little... little... 
Pokemon. This, it is. It's like a, yeah. it is. It's actually real world Pokemon. Yeah. If, if the Ink Monkey was real, that's exactly what it what it is. Because it doesn't have like it's even superpowers. Sleeping, it's even but sleeping it in the little pot like a little Pokeball. Well, exactly. Yeah. Totally. Oh my god. I love this. I want this to be real so bad. So we did. So so Bush Babies. Uh, you pronounce the other one because I'm terrible. At it. Those guys. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but whatever. We'll roll with it. <laughs> uh, there was a side note here I wanted to add. Those ones, Tars Tarsiers, Tar. <laughs> Tartarsauce. It all starting to sound like gibberish. Uh, um, they eat meat, which I didn't know. Oh. So the stories of the scholars feeding soybeans and peanuts and high protein like oh. vegetables, it's like maybe they, maybe that wasn't enough for these little guys, and that's why they were guzzling the ink because it was like made out of like animal hide or, or something for like the I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like, like the glue from the horses. Maybe that's iron rich or something. Maybe they Who needed knows. it. It was totally a nutritional thing that they're guzzling this ink. I have no idea. But it All just sounds mythological. Oh, I know. I really want a bush baby. Amber really wants a bush baby. It's so cute. <laughs> oh, man. The world's smallest primate before this in the 90s was the pygmy marmoset, which I'm sure is also extremely uh, cute. Let's and this is this is where the confusion could have could have come, right? We've got these rediscoveries of these tiny little things in the 90s in completely different locations of the world. It doesn't really explain at all, especially for the ancient claims that this thing existed but it's like could the 1990s resurgence have just been sort of a misinterpretation i i don't know I, I i hope not. you mean misinterpretation from the translation side of it yeah or? that they had been rediscovered in the 90s uh, because obviously this makes us like i said think of pixies and fairies and these mythological creatures that might help out an ancient alchemist or shaman or something like that but when it really boils down to it it looks like the chances of the 90s rediscovery was either a hoax or a misinterpretation of, uh, or a mistranslation of the Daily News report, and it was really more of a historical reference to the folklore mm. of the Chinese ink monkey taken as fact. I see, uh, That yeah. it had indeed that been rediscovered sense. in the mountains of, of southern China. Yeah, but with these rediscoveries at the same time, you can be the devil's advocate and say, makes perfect sense. It's a hoax. It's a misinterpretation. Yeah. But here we have all these rediscoveries. True. So I like to believe that I this little thing there. did indeed exist and that uh, maybe it could be uh, re-domesticated one day to flip the pages of an ancient scholar. Let me just say, or, like... Or a recreation yeah. of that scenario. <laughs> I'm totally 100% behind that. Theory. Yeah, right. <laughs> or wanting it to be real. I'm actually just looking at these pygmy mar marmosets. Yeah. yeah, pygmy marmosets. And they are really... They're different, though, because they don't have the big eyes. So when you first look at them, you're like, oh, you're not nearly as cute. You kind of look like a baboon. Right. But when you cute. look at it really close, it's like, okay, this thing is effing adorable. It's got, like, one's getting, like, <laughs> a toothbrush massage on its head, and he's just like, oh, yes. Just, like, loving it. Anyways, they're adorable. So that was our first miniature cryptozoological phenomena for you guys in this episode. <laughs> now, we are veering in a very different direction for this next one because... We are going from uh, the mountains of southern China to... Uh, the badlands of Texas. The badlands and the forests of Texas in search of living miniature dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. uh, but before we dive right into that bizarre little chestnut, we're going to take a quick ad break. Hey guys, Andrew here from Into the Portal. Do you feel as though there's something in your life holding you back or maybe things you want to talk about? Have you thought about maybe talking with a counselor but haven't taken that next step yet? Well, BetterHelp.com is the perfect next step. 
It's making it easier than ever to get on track with your mental health and connect with affordable therapists online from the convenience of your phone or laptop. It's easy to get started, and you can begin communicating with a specialized counselor within 24 hours of signing up. Plus, BetterHelp.com is safe and private, allowing you to get the help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist, receiving thoughtful and timely responses in return. This isn't a crisis line. BetterHelp.com offers you secure, convenient ways to access affordable online therapists all from the comfort of your living room, office, or wherever you find yourself these days. Financial aid is available for those who qualify, so please, if you feel like you could benefit from talking with someone, check out BetterHelp.com and use the discount code PORTAL to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash portal. All right, and we're back, and we are on to our next topic of the episode, miniature dinosaurs. And like Andrew mentioned off the bat here, we're going to Texas for this one. Well, the majority of this takes place in Texas. Yeah, there's been sightings and encounters allegedly in some other places too, mm-hmm. I guess. New Mexico, I think. Yeah, I think New Mexico was one. Um, and then there's also a case in Florida that to this day right. has no answer. Yes. Some video footage, very mysterious. But we're going to start off here with the story of MR, um, as he likes to go by. This is a witness. And it originally was taken from Lon Strickler's blog. So that's uh, Phantoms and Monsters. He does a whole bunch of really cool, like, firsthand type account stuff. I really like looking at some of his material. But anyway, so this account actually takes place during a heat wave in the summer of 2013 in Hebronville, Texas. And this man by the name of MR claimed uh, that a friend of his... Okay, so this is kind of a two-parter here. Right. Let me just give some backstory. Mm. So the first part of this story that he written to tell Lon about basically is him recounting a story from a friend of his. And so basically the friend reported seeing what they thought to be a miniature T-Rex looking <laughs> dinosaur. Okay. And this is like a classic sighting. Apparently this thing was seen scrambling across a roadway just before 9 p.m. I think it was like 8.46 p.m. in the evening. So, yeah. okay, so we don't have full daylight, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Apparently, though, this was like a dark creature. It was reported to be running on two legs. And that's basically kind of the gist of the details we got. However, MR goes on to say that... The encounter that his friend told him about, and they thought they were going insane. They actually tried to call him on the roadside, but their phone had, like, run out a minute, so they couldn't. So the story jogged MR's memory of an event which was, of course, very fantastical and occurred only a few months prior in this, like, what I'll call is a would-be Jurassic run-in. <laughs> yeah, I like that phrasing. Sure. Yeah. So MR related uh, the following. This is a quote. Just a couple of months before, I had actually heard a creature I could only describe as a dinosaur. I had been asleep. It was night, maybe around 1 or 2 a.m. I had awoken, and just at that moment, I heard an unfamiliar screech of something running by my window. We have an AC unit in the window, so the window is basically open, he goes on to say. I heard its footsteps as it ran by, and it was heavy, whatever it was. I could hear it clearly on the ground. As it ran further away, I could hear it screech again. 
It was like nothing I'd ever heard in my life. It was too, it was loud too. And I wondered if anyone else heard it or saw it as I live in an apartment complex. I just laid there in bed, completely bewildered by what I had just heard. I questioned my sanity and if I had thought of what, if I had thought I had heard what I really heard. <laughs> right. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes Anyways, sense. yeah. So what he goes on to say, when my friend saw the quote dinosaur, she was excited and wanted to tell me because of what I had heard. And then he says he's only sad he didn't get to see it too. And that they both questioned their sanity. So hmm. I'm kind of like, come on, man. Like I would have like leapt out of bed myself and been yeah. like, what the heck is that? Of course. Go to the up. window, see what it is. Like, you know, uh, that's yeah, just that's me. A, that's a no brainer. Unless that's he was like paralyzed. I don't know. But yeah, it's kind of an interesting account. But this is, it doesn't end here. Because there was allegedly a whole spate of other reports in this area of Hebronville. And this included a town called Falfurius, which I'm probably... Falfurius. Falfurius. And that was only about 18 miles away, so not too, too far away. And then also um, McAllen, Texas. And it's all these very similar, sort of like two to three foot sized t-rex shaped looking i'll say i'll say i'll say lizard creatures because t-rex we don't really know what t-rex looked like it could have been covered in feathers for all we know so they're reporting things with no feathers darker skin uh, if you want to call it skin yeah i don't know i guess it doesn't really quite get that specific it's just no it's just a dinosaur like entity yeah they just say the two feet the running like running on two feet so you know bipedal the idea that it isn't bigger than three feet, so small, and that it's dark colored, and that they they describe it as what they can only say. Like one guy said, it reminded him of like a velociraptor, like you know, like the mini ones oh, in yeah. the Jurassic Park movies. The little like the one like the not they're not velociraptors exactly, but the ones that attack Newman. Yeah. With yeah. The, with the fan down. Oh, yeah. Minus the fan Min- thing. Minus like, the, the head, thing. it's like a large-looking head. Some of them, like, it's, like, kind of like a dome-like head kind of thing. Right, yes. Um, one guy described it as not dissimilar to that of a T-Rex, but not quite the same shape either. Okay. So he wasn't very, like, you know, detailed in his explanation, but I don't know. So this was all in around the, like, mid, early to mid um, 2010s, I'll say. Yeah. So, but there was another sighting earlier, it's not quite earlier, it's in the same sort of region, I guess, in 2011. So a little bit earlier than the one I just recounted sure. by, yeah. was it MR? MR. MR. <laughs> and this was another one from the Hebronville area. So this woman, she calls herself MG. And yeah, <laughs> nobody he just, wants to give their names. I know. Well, a lot of people just do this on his blog and yeah. he's just like, whatever. We'll fair just enough. Fair enough. A lot of these are small towns, too, so you'd imagine if they did give their full names, they might kind of get some backlash. That's true, actually. You'd be you ostracized in different uh, community gatherings and things like that. Well, exactly. People, you'd be the laughing stock of the town, maybe. Possibly. You gotta think about that. Gotta think ahead. Before we started this podcast, we didn't think about that. <laughs> well, we also just didn't care all that much. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know. All right, so let's get into what she had to say. MG has her own sighting here, and this one's actually kind of interesting. So she describes how, this is a quote, on the side of the road where I was walking one evening, I saw dust being kicked up into the air and moving along the field. Then the trail of dust was heading toward the road in front of me. I stopped walking, not knowing what may be exiting at the road. About 40 feet in front of me was what I can only describe as a little T-Rex dinosaur, about two to two and a half feet in height. 
It didn't stop running as it dashed across the road into a smaller field. It was light reddish brown, stood on two legs, and had a long tail that was straight out as it ran. Interesting. <laughs> that was all the detail she gave. That's actually a little bit more detail than the others, because like we didn't actually get a tail reported in the other no, ones. You no, know? and, and obviously the colors here, like the reddish brown yeah. color is interesting to me, mm. because that I feel like is a little bit more leaning towards something that maybe is feathered or furred or has at least some sort of a uh, whatever is on the outside of it isn't the quintessential hmm. uh, maybe leathery, hair? leathery skin. A hair, you know? A hair of some kind, yeah. Yeah. Kind of okay. like on an elephant, like that bristly, that oh, bristly yeah. harsh hmm. type uh, of hair possibly. Or like even like, like a hippo. I mean, they're, do they hair? have? I mean, do they have hair? They don't they're have aquatic, hair, but, but they have like things on them. Like, we, like, <laughs> like we're just here speculating on all kinds of types of hair here. What about yak <laughs> hair? Could it have been like yak hair? Okay, let's dive. We didn't even get hair. Here. All we got was light reddish brown color. But it just seems like that would be the color of something that isn't just but skin. I'll give you this. I'll, I'll throw you a bone here. She didn't say it had leathery skin. There you go. All she said is that she could only describe it as a little T. Rex dinosaur. So, like in my mind, I'm thinking like. This is all in and around when they, like, after they've released the Jurassic Park movies, obviously. So, like, are people just referencing that? What do you mean? in tw- Like, the newer ones, you mean? Like, in, in the in the mid-2010s? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Well, Jurassic Park's been around since the 90s, the 90s. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm thinking, like, are they just going with the cultural zeitgeist of, like, this is what these things look like? Because, like, we don't right. really know. So, like, they're just, like, basing it off of stuff that we know uh, culturally, right? Sure. Like, as a collective memory, uh, not memory. It's something we have to consider. And so that was, yeah, that was kind of interesting. Again, Hebronville. So there was another call I'll touch on here quickly. And this was actually included in an episode of Coast to Coast in 2014. So, again, in and around the same area. But the actual encounter, I don't know. Uh, he, this guy, he basically says when he was younger, doesn't give an age, doesn't give a year. He said that he claimed to have seen a T-Rex-like creature while he was dirt biking. And this was in Midland, Texas. Okay. However, I will say this one was reported to stand a little bit taller, about seven feet high. And he doesn't give any other details really yeah that's a little bit that's that's more than a little bit taller mm-hmm. that's like raptor sized like that's like it's a yeah. that's a that's a large yeah monster that's a dinosaur that's gonna eat you well like yeah. a two and a half foot tall that would be so cool to see yeah. like, could you imagine running into a two and a half foot well tall imagine though <laughs> exactly like you could even like because obviously there's size discrepancies between male and females of the same species so maybe he's seeing a male version versus some people are seeing female or they're seeing younger you know what i mean so you could <laughs> yeah, maybe I explain mean. some of the discrepancies that way we get in the same type of arguments <laughs> yeah. when we're talking about bigfoot sometimes i feel like, all sorts I feel of like for stuff. once i'm on the other side of the table here with the <laughs> facial expressions that you always give me with some of these explanations it's like, well you know it could easily have just been a, a sighting of a male versus a female living yeah. t-rex in texas but i'm not saying it's a living t-rex no, but it's no, something no. that's akin to it There's clearly people are seeing weird things in the state of texas indeed I, I dino like things and can we explain it as like maybe some type of a lizard species this thing is seen dashing quite a bit so maybe it just runs really fast on two legs but normally is on four legs like a komodo dragon or something that's one theory i have we can get more theories in a second here because there's other stuff okay continue we gotta so okay (laughs) i had one more story so this comes from flora okay so there was a woman this was 
reported really recently. This was in June of this year, so 2021. Oh, yeah. And there was a woman who claimed to have seen, quote, a baby dino captured in her backyard camp footage. The footage is available on the New York Post website, and we can (laughs) include it in our show notes, too, for you guys. Right. So, as reported by the New York Post, um, two months ago, quote, Christina Ryan's security camera caught a tailed species running on its hind legs through her property. That's how they phrase it. Yeah. This is my description of the footage. So the footage appears to show a brief shot. This is like seconds, not even five seconds, of an animal running through the Palm Coast yard, Palm Coast, Florida, moving away from the camera with its head turned away and kind of ducked down. Mm -hmm. With possibly an object on its head or something that's bright and whitish looking. Yeah. I was kind of like, is it a pail or a bucket? Or maybe it's just the way the light's glaring off of it from something else. Who knows? It does not move erratically, but in a straight line. Its tail appearing high in the air with back legs extending back as it, quote, jogs past the camera. Front legs or arms not appearing in the footage, making it hard to see if the creature is walking on two legs or four. Yes. So I yeah. So I would kind of so I agree with this description mm-hmm. wholeheartedly. And like Amber said, you guys, it's a really really brief clip. Like it's th- three oh. seconds or like less than three. It's seconds. It's like five seconds. I think it's seven seconds total. But the footage, the actual, it's like it's like three seconds of actual running footage. The actual creature. And, and it's all blocky. You know how like those cameras are like it's like a baby cam. Yeah. Where it's, it's like it's really blocky and really is. pixelated. So yeah. it's hard to tell what's actually moving and what's not. But like like you described though, so it basically this is what it looks like, you guys. Essentially like it runs like a chicken. It looks mm-hmm. like the way a chicken runs, with like its haunches kind of going up and down on the back, kind of like bobbing. its legs bobbing. Mm-hmm. And with the head tilted forward like a running mm-hmm. rooster yeah. or a raptor. Yeah. Like wood. Totally. Uh it does, yeah. Like, it has this bizarre whitish-looking thing. And we both looked at each other and said, this looks like, like, could this be, like, a, a cat that has, like, a little ice cream pail stuck on its head or something? Or, like, whatever. But it just runs straight through as if it's on a mission. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it's not thrashing around, like, it's like, oh, my God, I got something stuck on my head. Like, it's mm-hmm. not moving like an that animal is, yeah. would if you had something stuck on your head. Exactly. That was, yeah. Yeah. It I is just weird. Thought, because it's there weird. is something that looks very blocky. And it is towards where a head would be on the creature. And it's, like, really white. And if you pause the footage and really slowly rewind it and go back and forth a few times like we yeah. did, yeah. it's just, like, is that an unusual glare coming off of something? Is it just oh, the man. angle? Like, what's going on? Or is it just distorted because of how low lighting it was overall? And it just looks weird. If it is just that and it is another known species of something, it's just all the perfect circumstances for it to look very much like a miniature dinosaur running bipedally on Mm -hmm. on two legs which would have to be perfect circumstances and you know we've made wise cracks about florida in general uh, on this show (laughs) and i don't want to uh you know not that's not a blanket statement for the entire state it's just an easy you're easy it's an easy target yeah because there's a lot of craziness that goes down in florida uh but we i mean if any, if there's going to be any place for this to happen, it kind of makes sense that maybe it would be in Florida. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the, in the in the swamps of of yeah. of Florida, maybe that makes sense that there would be some sort of a unknown species of just straight up bipedal like repti- reptile, mm-hmm. like rather than an actual living dinosaur per se even though that kind of is i mean crocs and alligators and birds are all living dinosaurs I know, right like what if so, it is like a longer legged croc 
Could you imagine alligator, I guess. if there was they a mutation in alligators and crocodiles where all of a sudden they were walking up on land mm-hmm. and standing up to like 10 yeah. feet tall and just cruising on two legs. <laughs> yeah. Like just like not just like a quick little I'm running at you, like just walking around. Yeah, yeah. That would be insane. Or what if that was like a new attack style, like similar to like I'm I'm picturing, you know, those lizards that like they'll really quickly like run across a pond and they like literally just like what are you yeah, and they're, they're just like on two legs like, and they're just like going I can't remember what species that is oh, but man, yeah, those things are what if it was like a mutant giant version of that not even giant like even just this two to three foot range like we've been discussing here like, so I mean well it's all open for speculation yeah, it is because there's been no answers that have been satisfactory for Christina Ryan so <laughs> she thinks she's it's something convinced dinosaur like in origin do you what do you honestly think do you think that there could be because the other thing, I mean, I guess we could save this for the very, very, very end and all the speculation about all of these stories here today, but maybe some sort of a time, like a, a little, a little, oh, yeah. um, what did we call that in the episode? Like a uh, time slip partri- or like an echo through time? Yeah, time um, slip. With the Partridge Creek monster? Yeah. Right. And one thing I will say that might bolster that argument is in the original story I told where was MR had the friend mm. with the original sighting and she said... That she wasn't the only car on the road. Like, there was another car coming from the other direction, and they didn't seem to see it like she saw it. So either they could have. And it could have been a lighting thing again, right? Because if it's at that time of day, like she was saying, then it could have been a difference of the lighting, too. They might have not Uh, been able to see it. Who knows? I don't know. But they did say it was was strange to them how the other car didn't seem to recognize that there was something like that running Mm -hmm. across the road. So maybe it was just like a... She just happened to notice the echo or whatever, an apparition of sorts. It could have been something like that. I will say before we move on here, just because it just jogged my memory, that a few years back when I was having a conversation on Facebook with Rob Morphy, so shout out to the Kryptonaut podcast, he brought up a story that he uh, was looking into where it was really similar to the same size type hmm little dinosaur-like creature. I think it was New Mexico that he referenced there. But it's just so bizarre. It's like, I want to believe that there could be... Because we see, like, these... I mean, obviously, like, Komodo dragons exist. Nobody believed they did until the 1930s and things like that. It's like, it's... It wouldn't really be that out of... I I don't know. And I think the fact that it's miniature cryptids we're talking about today (laughs) makes it all the more believable. It's like, when you're looking (laughs) for a 12-foot-tall sasquatch entity people are going to scratch their heads and be dubious of that if you were to bring someone a sample of a of a a, a living reptile that very much resembled a jurassic park dinosaur but it's like eight inches tall or something people would be Mm. like huh Hmm. all right (laughs) bizarre i'll take it i'll take it oh yeah and like all of these states we mentioned like uh florida texas new mexico like max is a little bit further up in the lats but like they're all very like on the same sort of um latitudinal sort of like line orientation especially the footage (laughs) because obviously yeah like florida extends down the peninsula but the footage was taken just at the cusp of the peninsula like on palm coast so it kind of is a straight line to texas across the bay there Hmm. um so i don't know there's maybe something to it, and I do have lots more to get into as far as, like, actual theories as to what these things might be. We'll, we'll save that for the end, though. Okay. I think we've got one more we want to touch on. We do. We? So, mm-hmm. again, veering way off from where we just were. We're <laughs> we're taking a trip. We're hopping a plane here, and every time I say something like this for transitions, I picture uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark when he starts to go on his little journey, and there's, like, the, the plane and the little dots. Yeah. The I wish we had a graphic of us. 
doing that here. So Aww. you guys can all picture that in your heads when we're going we over to it, Japan. If we had a more developed YouTube presence, we could have something like wow, that. We'll get there. Maybe. We'll get there. So, okay. <laughs> we're venturing to ancient Japan to talk about the Shamnu or the Bonsai Wolf. How cool, cool is that? So the world's smallest subspecies of Canis lupus or wolves. Mm. Really cool. Of course, Japan would lay claim to the world's smallest wolf just because it's a, a tiny island nation, but with some really interesting, dense, wild terrain where they've got some really interesting species of wild deer and wild hogs and things like this. But we wanted to cover this because it's a little bit more akin to like real zoology compared to like living dinosaurs in Texas, mm. per se, or the ink monkey and its sort of mythological qualities. Because there were definitively two small, miniature, if you will, species of wolf that used to roam the islands of, of Japan. The main island, also uh, Hokkaido in the north, and other areas as well. The first one, the Ezo wolf, this is not the bonsai wolf, but a, a relative, another subspecies of Canis lupus that I wanted to reference just because it's, it's, it's just so tiny. Mm -hmm. um, this one was a bit bigger, but the bonsai wolf. So cool. Max length was 45 inches, and its absolute max height was 14 inches, which means, for frame of reference, it's at its absolute largest size, it would be around the same size as a North American fox, which is like a really small little dog. It's like your mom's dog, Theo, basically, which is like Aww. a little collie. But these things Cute. were vicious. Uh, and just as much an apex predator as their much larger relatives on in mainland Asia. Okay. And so, so you're saying like these things were definitively real at one point. Definitively real. Okay. They had all kinds of different mythological associations with them because they were worshipped by uh, at ancient uh, Aboriginal peoples of the of Japan known known as the uh, An. How, how do you pronounce these guys? Aninu? Aninu? A-N-I-N-U. And they actually referred to the uh, the Shamnu as howling gods. Mm. And they were thought of as these deity, they were deified uh, mm. creatures that were seen as protectors of both communities um, and also of like the woods in general. Hmm. So they had these really sort of like, yeah, this really cool mythological association with a very real fox-sized wolf. That sounds very akin to what we get over here in North America, right? And, like, the idea of, I don't know, like, spirit animals, is that too, like, generic of a term? But, like, Not the idea really. of, like, I think it's the just line. the spirits of the land being embodied in different species. Exactly. That type of thing. So Exactly. So I love that. There's this element of mythology linked to a real creature worshipped and depicted in stories as friendly as these, like, spirit helpers. So, like you said, very much like a, a spirit animal. But where I was kind of transitioning from this, like, this belief uh, of, of the Shamnu as this sort of kind of having mythological qualities to it made me speculate, and others too, that their disappearance in and around 1900 maybe has something to do with their connection to another place. Maybe they went back to the land of the ancients rather than just being eradicated by farmers Ooh. and the changing the changing landscape of, mm. of Japan. The last known species of this actual, spe the actual creature, was taken to Stanford University in 1905, which proved that the animal had been alive and well into the early 1900s when previously it thought that it had gone extinct oh, wow. several decades before. 
But then there's other records that continued to pop up as people were getting more access to Japanese translated documents that suggested that this bonsai wolf may have actually survived into the 2000s and beyond, possibly even today. Cool. And the reason this is what a story we're including in this little trio of miniature cryptids today is that if the bonsai wolf was still alive, this would be massive for cryptozoology as a whole uh, and possibly having a paranormal element to it as well because obviously japan is a tiny place this is a tiny species that's really interesting if it's if it's still there that would be mind-blowing type type thing it would make the prospects of other creatures just so much more positive right Mm -hmm. could you imagine what's out in new guinea if we can find a miniature (laughs) wolf in japan still everybody (laughs) like think about that for a second right Uh, in 1994 there was a perfectly preserved specimen that was discovered at a remote shrine dedicated uh, to the wow. wolf, uh, known as Kokufu Machi. So I, I, I find that really cool. I would love to go to some of these wolf shrines uh, in Japan. Yeah. And it sort of just spiraled from the early 1900s where people said, nope, the, this wolf is gone. This ancient species has disappeared, yet it kept popping up and, and almost like a spirit animal kind of would. In 1934... <laughs> There was a sighting by a veterinarian named uh, Orura Yutaka, who had been um, an avid photographer and believer that this thing was still alive, and he reported it to local parks authorities. Unfortunately, they couldn't track it down. Decades Hmm. later, in 64, there's an amateur mountaineer and photographer named Yanni Kenji. He also was an avid uh, researcher into the Shamnu, and he reported seeing it in the early morning in uh, on uh, Ryogami Mountain um, after claiming to hear a series of blood-curdling howls that he completely did not expect. Because hmm, uh, nothing else should be making howls. Nothing else should be making howls like that because there are, allegedly, no more wolves anywhere in Japan, north, hmm. south, any of the islands, they're gone. And then again, in 1970, a journalist named uh, Kishida Hideo claims to have taken a photo of the Shamnu, showing that it was indeed still alive. Hmm. But it was a little bit hard to kind of make out exactly what it was, and official researchers didn't accept it as proof that these things did still exist. But with so much of this happening happening in history, and people still seeing these creatures regularly, but without the ability to prove they exist, it reminds me a lot of like a Sasquatch, where you have the indigenous peoples of north america the pacific northwest who Mm -hmm. know that these things existed or still do yeah uh they don't care what other people have to say about that speculation and it still kind of comes and goes Mm -hmm. and is seen but nobody can seem to get definitive proof of it Hmm. uh so i find that really really cool it's like not just maybe because it's small maybe because well you would think the one the next best thing and I'm thinking, again, going back to classic, like, Bigfoot research and all that kind of stuff. Like, these photographers that catch these sort of, like, spotty shots and all that kind of thing. I would love to, like, oh, man, if only they had captured some images of, say, like, footprints for comparison. Ooh. That type of yeah, thing. Yeah, that's know, a just great kinda, point. Yeah. That's a really great point. Yeah, we're missing that part of the story, though. It's true. Dang. <laughs> but people are still and had been still trying to uh, hopefully gather information like that. Mm-hmm. The 1970s had a little bit more proof as well. There was a supposed carcass that was delivered to Japanese scientific authorities for identification. It was mm-hmm. believed to be the body of the bonsai wolf. 
but it was simply never seen again. Uh, hmm. It was one of those classic situations like the big cats in Australia where there's a sample delivered, it's promptly lost. <laughs> the reason the reason why is sort of up, up for speculation. There's some people that, that suggest that Japanese scientists are afraid to uh, interfere with the orthodox beliefs that had already been, you know, written down in history. These things are gone. We don't want to admit <laughs> that they actually are still here. Yeah. I don't know. It's very... Like for oversight purposes? You I mean? guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Japanese... I, we don't know a ton about Japanese culture. We've never been there, but they do strike me. It, it strikes me as a culture that's very, like, rigid. Anyway, that basically <laughs> is all I had on this miniature sort of spiritual wolf of Japan. Um but I just, I, I wanted to include it because the speculations at the end are like, could these be feral dogs? Could they be mm. hybrid animals that are indeed a, a relative of this ancient wolf? Or could they be sort of mystical mini wolves that are still living somehow for a purpose beyond just sheer survival? And maybe it is having, having something to do with like the balance of nature. Yeah. Something to that effect. Yeah. Maybe they're shapeshifters. But there you go. I mean, they they sort of just like all these all those accounts I just gave. They almost seem like, and again, I'm sort of just making it up in my head. But it's like a misty morning and on a Japanese mountain, and this almost this various kind of spiritual like wolf creature yeah. is seen but can't be captured. Mm-hmm. I love stuff like that. So we hope that the uh, Shamnu, the bonsai wolf, still exists. In Japan, in the mountains of wherever, anywhere, it could still exist. There would be great. Yeah. But that brings us down into... The theories. Theories, uh, evidence, and just uh, any other final thoughts and things on this trio of miniature cryptids today. So before we... Amber has some stuff to get into. I wanted to just kick it off by saying that, like, I'm really happy we did this because, you know, the rest of the world is always talking about the big the big ones and there are you know there's so much legit zoological proof for miniature cryptozoological creatures Mm -hmm. that maybe we'll end up talking about a few more things like that a couple of examples i wanted to just toss out are the pygmy hippo which Mm -hmm. was legitimately discovered in uh the early (laughs) teens where a germ uh, a german uh explorer researcher who wasn't really well liked by a lot of his peers because he was just in it for the biz business of it uh went to try to find these pygmy hippos a couple of times came back unsuccessful but on i think the third try uh found them and originally people were like it's a giant hog you got to bring back this giant hog um and then they realized it wasn't a hog at all it was a pygmy pygmy hippo only weighing about 400 pounds tiny little hippo little hippo pygmy elephant was another one where it's still up for debate whether or not it's an actual subspecies but it's like a five foot tall elephant right so these things do exist Mm -hmm. and i love that so much the minis just like me i wanted to get into some of this speculation and and stuff you had on some of these mini dinosaurs though because that is definitely a little bit more of the uh the into the portal element of this episode yeah yeah totally okay we can start there you know, we got our usual suspects, uh, <laughs> which would be, you know, let's go through some, the, the misidentifications. Like, what could this have been if it was a, a, a quote-unquote normal or identified species? What could, what could we be looking at here? And, like, you know, like, me, the, the, to me, like, a lot of these are kind of, like, you know, reaches. But, like, you know, you got your classic coyotes. You got lots of fox species living out in the, the bush of uh, Texas. There's lots of cats, bobcats, mountain lion, cougar type things out there as well. Jackrabbit, maybe? Could none of those really fit. So, yeah, that was my next sort of thing. It was like a jackrabbit on like 
but even then the movement is so different it is and it's not like anyways it's just like it is a reach there's lots of deer out there too there's actually an antelope species called the pronghorn antelope out that way i did not know that Um, mule deer white-tailed deer you know i just none of these again right none of these really for the for the cam footage anyway for the cam footage but these are all these are all not endemic to texas but they're all found in around texas which means obviously the probably be scattered throughout the adjoining states <laughs> neighboring states yeah the one thing i thought was kind of interesting is like the idea of maybe it being a whooping crane because of the two-legged factor those are quite tall though they're actually about five feet and yeah. doesn't really fit as far as like the head shapes and that type of and thing the and tail. the dark yeah the tail the dark colors the, like just the general physiology it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's it is again a reach So we could jump to some, like, not unidentified species, but dinosaur species that are thought to be extinct at this point, but maybe, just maybe, maybe. they're surviving in modern times, or (laughs) I don't know. But there is this uh, type of ornithopod? Ornithopod. 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 And that's the (laughs) iguanodon that was suggested by some theorists and these are herbivores they did stand on two or four legs they kind of went in in between okay they were quite a bit bigger though so about 10 meters in length which means Um, like they're quite a bit bigger than a human so it's like it doesn't really fit unless it was something that and not on top of that it's like the fossilized remains are not found in north america it's in england and belgium that neck of the woods like Mm. you know uk sort of area but bipedal Potentially, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. There was another type of dinosaur, the, the theropod class of dinosaurs, and these are all classified as having three-toed limbs, hollow bones, they're ancestrally carnivorous, although this isn't, like, obviously exclusive today. There's over 10,000 living species of these guys, so ranges from, you know, like, the extinct ones here, so giants, like the Gigantosaurus and Tyrannosaurus, and then you also have, like, the teeny teenies, like, right. so a one-foot-long, it's called the Priude. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> True daunted archaeonymous, yeah. actually. Nice. Yeah. Not bad. And then there's obviously like living bird species if you're including those. So like, you know, the bee hummingbird. It's like really, really tiny. 2.2 inches. So basically what you're saying with all this evidence is like there's there's a wide there's not... range of sizes. And that there are tiny little Yeah, it with this theropod class of dinosaur, family of dinosaurs. Right. So it's like, you know, maybe there's a species in around there that might have been able to survive in its own little pocket. I'm not really going to go there, but there's this other T-Rex, kind of cool. They call it the mini Rex. It's not it's not actually a T-Rex, but they call it mini Rex. And it's like basically like a miniature version of the classic T-Rex. <laughs> and it's called the Suski Tyrannus uh, Hezelag. And they were small. So these are really teeny, no more than 90 pounds. And so I think it was about three feet. So that really fits the bill as far as that, like the size. That fits the bill. And people are saying T-Rex, T-Rex, T-Rex. So, you know, I don't know. They were around in this area, so there was actually not a full, it was like partial remains that were discovered in the 1980s in New Mexico, so not too far away from Texas there, neighboring state. Mm-hmm. There was a first um, partial skull found in the 1990s, so that's, a, you know, again, pretty recent. 
And this was kind of a just a quote here from a live science article talking about it. It says here, the animal would have looked a bit more like the Jurassic Park velociraptors in terms of size and head height rather than its later relatives like the T-Rex. Yeah, okay. So, that's an interesting speculation though. That's right. That is the same. Mm-hmm. That is that that's that is basically what these descriptions are Could it be? giving. Could it be? Could I don't be? know. But are we just like tipping our hats to like, you know, like the just the yeah, general cultural zeitgeist we know of like Jurassic Park and all this kind of stuff? I mean, I, I it's it's really easy to do that though too. Like mm-hmm. right, like and we've we've mentioned that on lots of stuff, like especially with UFO phenomena. You yeah. Know, like when when did a sighting happen in relation to what? When did close that's encounters exactly come it. out? We yeah. all need to know when close encounters came out in relation to this sighting, <laughs> right? Because that's to- it's totally. I legit. know, I know. But that but this next uh, little the section next that one. you added here kind of potentially negates that, depending on how yes. long this has been around. Yeah. Well, go. For I guess it. yeah, because there's also this like cryptid that's known as the Mountain Boomer. And this has been around for a little bit longer than I think. Longer than a 1996 release of Jurassic Park in 92 or 94 or whenever that movie came out. I would like to think so. <laughs> I would hope so. Okay. But apparently, this is new. I just heard about this. In Texas Big Bend National Park, very paranormal place, let me tell you. It There's is. There's lots going on in Big Bend National Park. Indeed. But apparently there exists a cryptid that resembles that of what we've just been talking about. This T-Rex dinosaur thing. So Mount Boomers, and this comes from a Mysterious Universe article, mm. and it talks about how these boomers are said to stand about five to seven feet tall and look exactly like a miniature T-Rex with bipedal gait, long tapered tail, powerful hind legs, and tiny forelegs tipped with sharp claws. And some reports mention large flaps of skin, and these appear above or below the head, and the creature is said to emit a low, booming howl. So it almost sounds like rumbling distant thunder. Okay, yeah. So that's cool, hey? So yeah. that would definitely be in and around the camp of what we've been talking about. A little bigger, right? Five to seven feet tall, but... Well, and that also kind of ties into the idea we, we referenced already with, like, time slips and stuff. Because, mm. you know, national parks, I think, would be a, a sensible place for that to happen. You know what I mean? Where you potentially there's been a lot of, you know, like paleontologies. There's probably a lot of remains, I would imagine, in these types of areas. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That is that's yeah. The mountain boomers. I know, right? Mountain boomers, five to seven feet tall. I mean, obviously, a seven foot tall, quote unquote, miniature T-Rex is still going to be a little bit more mortifying than a two and a half to three foot tall (laughs) T-Rex. I know. Yeah. yeah, it almost reminds me of these, like, the ones that we were discussing initially, not these mountain boomers, but it reminds me more of, and I'm I'm referencing Jurassic Park 2, right, because I don't have any other reference really to go to, but, like, you remember those ones that looked, who did they attack and kill? It wasn't Newman, it was some other character, but they, like, they look pretty harmless, you know, and, and then all of a sudden more of them appear. So there was one at first and then all of a sudden there's like a whole group of them and they're like working together. Right. Do you remember that scene? I can't remember Vaguely. which one it's from. <laughs> but anyways, you should it, it might have been from one of the new, new ones. I don't know. Okay. If anyone knows that one, just get me. Hit us up. But anyways, yeah, there's lots of I different that, ideas. Though. Some people have actually thrown in this idea of could be a chupacabra. So I don't know what you think about that. Well, I mean, that's obviously a real curveball toss-in, but I guess the Chupacabra did have some sort of, like, dinosaur potentially-like qualities. Yeah. Like, it was hairless. I I mean... 
in some descriptions. Like it had almost kind of like an alien-like appearance or like, Mm -hmm. I don't remember leathery skin or anything like that. We described as like the quote-unquote zeitgeist description of a dinosaur because of what people would be expecting or whatever. I think the only reason people have suggested it is because of the behavior of animals like pets and there was this one person that said that uh because their rottweiler was acting really strangely he used to be like you know really calm and fearless but he was hiding and whining and and always was in and around when these like sightings occurred and or like the the call of it or whatever just because of that it's like obviously kind of more of an apex predator so that would make sense that would make sense (laughs) i'm gonna just switch gears just back to the ink monkey for a little bit of my closing yeah. thoughts here because I did say I was going to come back to this idea of it possibly being traded. Um, oh yeah. And mm-hmm. I did I didn't want to leave that out. Uh but I there was this one um article I read on the the Minoan settlements at uh Akrotiri and there's 3600-year-old it's a 3600-year-old settlement and the frescoes and some of the artistic depictions at this site show different sizes and species of monkeys uh, climbing and doing different things. And a couple of them are in, are like adjacent to rooms where there would have been essentially like scholars writing things down. So it's a, it's a big leap, but there are no monkeys in this area of like where this ancient Minoan settlements were in the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. There's been scholars that have done works to su- like have done research that suggests that they're basically depicting different species from East Africa, but it shows an ancient trade route that maybe people didn't know necessarily existed. And the sizes of like these depictions are all kind of off. The colors are even off. Like there's a blue monkey painted on one of these frescoes okay. done with, done with like, um, tiles in some of them too so it's kind of like an artistic interpretation of something they weren't supposed to have access to and it just makes me wonder that maybe some of the frescoes that are knocked down that we can't actually see anymore perhaps depict a species that was even smaller or from that maybe would resemble a little bit more closely to the ink monkey but at the very least it's proof that these prized strange primates uh, would have been highly sought after by the elite mm-hmm. in Greece, ancient Minoan culture, uh, civilizations, and, and so on. Okay. So I think that's just kind of cool. That is um, really neat. The <laughs> idea of like a an ancient uh, Chinese uh, traveler and, and trader having a little crate of ink monkeys. And uh, <laughs> it, like, it just seems like a scene from a movie, you know? Oh, yeah. 100%. So that was my final thought on that. Yeah. Um, and honestly, you guys, that's that's basically just bringing us kind of down to the end here. Like, of course, we want all of this to exist. We want the bonsai wolf to to still roam the, the forests and mountains of Japan, possibly as a spirit animal of the landscape. We want the, the ink monkey to be hiding in the mountains of China waiting to be rediscovered. <laughs> and of course, we all want, although maybe not want to run into them, <laughs> dinosaurs stalking uh, the woods and bad backlands of Texas and beyond. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, we all want this to tr- be true. But of course, of these three, some are more ridiculous than others potentially. But all are interesting. And the wolf and the ink monkey a little bit more leaning towards possibly like real hard cryptozoological things that we can still discover. Mm-hmm. And maybe the bipedal dinosaurs too. Well, you never know. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, you know, I, I hope that we can find, uh, yeah, these mini pixie little monkeys and get them turning pages uh, for people once again. But that kind of brings me <laughs> down to the end 
I've got nothing left to say on the on the subject here. This was a fun one. This was a fun one. I really enjoyed this, and like you said already, it's like, yeah, I want some of these things to exist. I want to go visit that shrine, that wolf shrine. And We're definitely going to Japan sometime into the portals doing a trip there for sure, and we'll yep. be able to bring you guys some really cool content. Yeah. So yeah, we want to know what you guys think. Which was your favorite of the three cases? Which do you think is the most likely of the three cases to still mm-hmm. to, to have existed at all, or to still exist in the case of... The bonsai wolf. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So we are on TikTok now. <laughs> Just Andrew, to transition into the end here. He's got us rolling I on there. I got a couple of things posted on there. Yeah. It's, uh, we're not... You know, what is the, it again? Is it just add into the portal or? Uh, yeah, it's just add into the portal. Okay. So hit us up on TikTok and maybe I'll keep posting some stuff. <laughs> and, uh, but we are always on Instagram. So into the portal podcast on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Come follow us uh, on Facebook as well. Into yeah. the portal podcast. I'm going to be posting lots of really cute monkey pictures. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of monkey pics. That one with the, like the brush getting massaged on its head. He's like, oh yes. <laughs> so good. I love it. So yeah, hit us up on Facebook and then yeah, visit, make sure to visit our website into the portal.com. If you haven't checked us out on there before and our network website, straightupstrange.com. If you guys uh, think you might need someone to talk to, we highly encourage you to check out our sponsor, BetterHelp. Uh, you mm-hmm. can click the link in the show notes uh, below and uh, get 10% off your first month. And as always, we wanted to give a massive, massive thank you to all of our Patreon supporters and our producers mm-hmm. of Into the Portal. Adam Kellums, what, what? Nightwing, <laughs> Kitsune, Kitsune, Jackson Greenberg, yeah, what's up? Molly the dog. Woof, woof. And uh, <laughs> Amber's doing all the sound effects now. Uh, so yeah, awesome crew. Thank you guys so, so much. Uh, shout out again to our, our new our newest member on Patreon, Robin. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we couldn't do this, do this without you guys. You guys keep the fires burning at Into the Portal. So yeah, thank you guys all so much for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you haven't uh, already, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to Into the Portal, and you can get all the links to the gateway uh, for everything Into the Portal below. So thank you guys so much, and until next time on Into the Portal. Your gateway to the bazaar. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.